video, episode number three. Today we're speaking to Mark Keenan. Welcome back to episode number three. Today we are speaking to Mark Keening from engineer to novelist. All the show notes are available at sleep, the number four performance.com.au. As always, we have a newsletter over there as well you can subscribe to, some free downloads, and any information related to sleep for performance can be accessed there. We are also available on iTunes and on the Podbean app, and very soon we'll also be up on Stitcher. This is episode three with Mark Keenan. Mark Keenan, how are you doing? I'm all right, thanks Ian. How about yourself? I'm okay. Don't keep looking at the garage band recording now. No. It's okay. We can edit it later on. No. I'll try not to look at the computer. <laughs> For those of you uh, listening to the episode three today with Mark Keenan, we're sitting in uh, Mark's snazzy Land Rover in John Forest National Park in the hills outside of Perth in Western Australia. We've just completed a two-hour run, approximately, what, 15 k's, Mark? Yeah, about 15 k's, yeah. How much elevation change? Uh, no clue. No clue. But it was nice and hilly. Four, 500 metres, I'm guessing. Four or 500 metres. Maybe more, I think. <laughs> it was nice and hilly. Nice day here in Perth, middle of winter, probably about 21, 22 degrees, enough to bring on a nice sweat. When we finished recording, or sorry, when we finished the run, we wanted to record the podcast in the, the sort of the, the forest, the John Forest National Park Centre, but they're doing roadworks down there and it's just way too noisy and it was uh, making me quite irate. So we, we drove away, couldn't find another picnic spot, so we pulled up in the car and we decided let's just do it in the car. And now we look like two people looking for aliens in the car because everybody that drives by us keeps staring in at us yeah is that or some sort of special agent (laughs) it's like an episode of the Sopranos when they're outside Tony Soprano's house and they're all listening in that's okay it's not the first time people would look at us being weird anyway after setting the context (laughs) of today's weird podcast (laughs) Mark Keenan is one of the most interesting people who who I know and have known Mark is a former director of an engineering company, still has his finger in the pie slightly, but over the last, how many years, Mark, have you turned to a novel, being a novelist? Uh, just over a year. Just over a year, Mark has been working as a, and a, as a novelist. So, Mark, why a novelist? Why an engineer to a novelist? It's quite a massive jump. Yeah, um, I've always wanted to uh, write, ever since I was very young, um, probably since I was in primary school, really. Um, I ended up uh, going and doing engineering um, just because I was basically following some friends um, and kind of gave up on the idea of um, being a writer for, I don't know, um, probably from when I was about 17 up until um, last year when I decided that I would give it a crack. So some people might be listening going, well, he's only 22 now. How old are you now? I just turned 47 just last week. So 30 years ago, you gave up on a dream and then decided to come back and pick it up after 30 years. Yeah, um, I don't know. I suppose I did just say that I gave up on a dream, but it was probably um, a number of things that made me decide to do engineering rather than 
writing. Obviously, there was um, uh, you know more obvious career paths and more obvious ways of um, making a living out of doing something with my science capability rather than my writing capability. Um, in retrospect, I think it actually was a really good thing to do because I think that you know I've now had 30 years of life experience to draw on um, when I'm writing which I wouldn't have had when I was 17, 18, when I had no life experience whatsoever. That's kind of interesting because um, listening to people talk about stand-up comedy, they kind of say the same thing, that young comedians find it very difficult at the age of 21, 22. But when comedians get a little bit older, sort of, particularly past 40, is when the comedians yeah. get a lot of success because they have that life experience. And they can be somewhat kind of, I don't know, funny about life experiences and people are going to relate to that at that age. But if it's a 21-year-old, 22-year-old, probably can't bring in those experience to talk about in comedy and, and probably similarly as a writer particularly in a, in a fiction in a novel what life experience would you have to draw on at that young age so maybe yeah very you know. little I think you would I think you can obviously be a writer at a very young age and, and, and people like Stephen King who's obviously you know prolifically prolific writer and, and extremely successful obviously wrote um, from when he was very young um and people certainly do take that path, but certainly for me, that's not the path I took, and I'm um, quite comfortable with the path I have taken. So, um, and I feel like it's it's good for my writing now to have that had that those 30 years of experiences, um, good, bad, and otherwise, to draw on um, into the words that I put on the page. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 interesting, and it's a it, it's an interesting reflection on that sort of time, and then becoming a, an author as well at at this time in your life. One of the, one of the other reasons why I wanted to have Mark on the podcast was not just about being a a novelist. About three three and a half years ago, in conjunction with Mark, sort of, I don't know, picking up this dream again. Mark made some significant changes in his life. Number one, he left his job <laughs> as a engineering director. Two, he got up off the couch and started running. And three, he gave up alcohol. Probably the three major things when I talk to Mark that I see he's done in the last few years. And I've known Mark since about 2008, 2009. We met initially through practicing Japanese jiu-jitsu at a gym in town before I started Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And so Mark has taken those uh, those kind of big three actions. Obviously, the one of leaving his job to be a novelist is quite self-explanatory. But, but why start running and why stop drinking, Mark? Yeah, um, the... The, the main impetus for all those things are, are, are probably similar in that, um, you know, a, a, a few years back, um, yeah, 12, 12 odd years ago, I started a business with a friend of mine. Um, and, you know, throughout the period of the GFC, the post-GFC, um, things were difficult for the business um, with... Ian's just waving at someone who's driving past, wondering why we're <laughs> looking for aliens in so Sorry about that. Um, but yeah, we, we, we started the business. Um, it was successful. Then we had some struggles through the GFC. Then we started getting successful again. Um, but all through that was was um, high levels of, of stress. Um, a lot of fun at times, but certainly a lot of uh, impact on me personally. Um, and through that period, I, I became um, quite unhealthy. Um, you know, I put on a fair bit of weight. Um, I'm only a fairly short person. Um, 
and you know I was up around the 90 kilos uh, mark I wasn't really exercising um, and you know I, I found myself drinking um, a lot you know quite quite frequently um, and and towards the end of the period where I ended up giving up alcohol I was drinking basically every night um, and not just one or two drinks either um, I was not looking after myself very well and I was I was well aware of all of that actually at the time um, and and for a couple of years I was well aware of that and I had some um, aborted attempts to improve things change things but what really um, drove it home for me was um, when one of my children ended up with uh, one of my teenage teenage children ended up with a um, mental health issue and and um, ended up being hospitalized um, and and was about to come out of out of hospital and and I um, I uh, actually um, re received a text message from my my wife um, because she you know we'd been tag teaming at the hospital um, and she basically just said in this text message that you know that you know I'm I'm doing a great job of, of looking after the family looking after um, my son who was in hospital but um, that I needed to do more to look after myself and that maybe I should um, cut back the drinking and and I'd been thinking about that you know as most people with alcohol problems do um, they're, they're quite aware of their alcohol problem um, I've been thinking that I needed to do something and that was just the impetus for it and then, and on that day which was the 16th of March 2014 I decided I would stop drinking and I stopped drinking and I haven't had a drink since um, and it was probably um, about a week after that that I went for my first run I decided that um, the best thing that I could do um, you know was to replace a bad habit with a good habit and and so I went for a run I, I tried to run tried to run <laughs> a couple of kilometers down at, at the foreshore near Crawley nearly died um, but yeah just yeah since then I've just continued um, yeah so that very first run mark your 90 kilos get all the stress of work obviously the stress with your son being in hospital yeah you stopped drinking you got up off the couch what was what, what was that like that first run because many people do that like many people kind of go this day I'm going to start what, yeah. what, what was that what did it feel like what did your body feel like what did your mind feel like going through that very first run it was it was really hard like I and, and it wasn't the first time that I tried to um, sort of, uh, you know, get healthy. I think many people will have, have, have that experience. That's a common thing. People have the experiences of, I'm going to change my life. Um, and it was really, you know, like it was physically difficult and it was, and it was mentally difficult um, as well. You know, I, I, and, and, uh, and I really had never, I'd never run before. Um, you know, I had done sports and things before. I'd played tennis. I'd obviously done martial arts, and I had been in a very fit state in a, previously, but I'd never actually run. So the actual action of it was was, was quite hard as well. Um, but obviously, something about it stuck. Something about the simplicity of it um, drew me back to it, and somehow I persisted. I don't know. Persisted. So it was three years ago. Just a little over three years. And so, to give people an idea, 
the last race you ran, you ran, Mark, a few weeks ago in May, what was that distance? Yeah, the last, uh, the last thing that I ran uh, as an as an event was a 46 kilometre ultra marathon in the Avon Valley <laughs> called Wild Goose Chase. 46 k. So in three years, you went from like one or two k run to 46 k run in three yeah, years. Yeah, it's a bit crazy. <laughs> so that's point A to point B. Quite a massive jump. How much weight did you lose? Um, I lo- I've lost uh, 20 kilos. I probably lost that in the first, uh, probably in the first six months probably most of it um, and it hasn't changed much in about the last two and a half years um, Do you think that was related to the alcohol consumption or to the exercise? Oh, both absolutely both, yeah, definitely both Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah There's no doubt So, um, yeah, there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of carbs in beer <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it does taste good I, I, It does I, I haven't drank either in a long time but I love the, uh, even the non-alcoholic beer I love it, I actually just really like to taste the beer My wife doesn't understand why but I I really love having a cold beer yeah. Yeah. But today, Irish and I've got Irish descent, so maybe that explains something. Well, you see, there we go. There's a racist comment straight away. <laughs> yeah, and I like potatoes as well. <laughs> I'm not making any parallels with any other cultures now, you know, about rice or chicken or anything with anybody else. I'm just going to leave it at that. We'll let Mark come up with those comments as we go on. Okay. <laughs> this is the kind of conversations that my, me and Mark have. Like, uh, we, we do lots of runs together in the hills and... um. It's been great for me personally over the last six months doing a lot of running with Mark or more because I've seen Mark go from let's go to the hills and run for two hours off-road. He's been really getting into the trail running to Mark running for four hours one day with me, which is the longest he ever ran in terms of time on his feet with a backpack on the Biblum track here in uh, Calamunda, which so it's awesome to see that evolution in you, Mark, as well. Yeah, that's fine. And it's also great as well like because I, saw, I told us to Mark the other day, like, it's a very inspiring story for not only me, but I think for many other people as well. Did a lot of brave things, Mark. Yeah. Followed a dream at the age of 47, which many people probably wouldn't do. to break all right, it's too late or I'm too old or I'm too set. It yeah. completely disrupted your life at 47, which is really nerve-wracking, but cool as well. It's very inspiring, I think, to see people do that and take a chance. Secondly, you give up... Um, alcohol and socially sometimes in those engineering type roles it's hard to do that with lots of socializing in work and out work and use for stress so that's 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 courageous as well and then to sort of just get up off the couch and start exercising to do an ultra marathon is it's just unbelievable so what other runs do you have planned this year mark um so in uh july 2nd i'm running a, a 50k um up at uh the yabaroo national park which is not too far from my home. So just north of Perth, yeah? Yep, just north of Perth. It's um, relatively flat by for, for trail running standards, um, but 50Ks is still 50Ks. That's right. <laughs> it'll be a very, very long run for me, um, a lot longer than a lot of the other people, but um, I will finish. Um, and then um, there's a couple of other 50-kilometre um, runs through the rest of the year um, that are... The, the one that's in August, um, which I know you've run, and Truth and Consequences, which is a Perth Trail Series one, which is a lot of elevation, is probably one that I'm really looking forward to. Um, you know, because it'll be an extreme challenge, I think. Yeah, it's a good fun race. Two two laps of a 25k off-road course um, down there near um, Serpentine. Yeah. So it's quite good, yeah. Yeah, and it's all beautiful areas too. I mean, that's the best part about it. You know. It's uh, it's it's easier to stay calm when you're um, feeling the pain going <laughs> up and down hill 
when there's yeah. you know beautiful bushland around you. Um, I I wouldn't find that experience quite so calming if I was in the middle of a big city. Yeah, that's for sure. Like I live right in the city centre in Perth, and Kings Park is awesome to run around. But there's nothing like driving up to Calamunda getting on the Biblum track, which is only like forty minutes from my house. Yeah. Or up here near Mundaring, where it's like forty-five minute drive. And you're right, you're in the, out here running around like today. This two-hour run, we're kind of halfway through, and we're like, God, you could be anywhere. And it's so quiet and so nice, and kangaroos bouncing around, and you know, and kangaroos at the end of the at the end of the of the run, you know, just walking around, sitting around feeding. And we'll put some pictures of those in the show notes because we managed to get some pictures. Quite tame up here, <laughs> so it's a uh, yeah, it's 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 so relaxing. So, Mark, massive changes, very courageous. What other positive impacts have you seen in your life, and particularly around sort of um, the area of sleep and mental health? How, how has that changed for you over the last three or four years? Yeah, I think um, the one of the things one of the things that I discovered um, after giving up drinking was that I was masking a problem with um, depression. Um, so I I have had uh, have, have since um, I guess been diagnosed if you will with with um depression it's not um you know it comes and it goes um i I, you know it's hard to sort of compare it to um different people because everybody's experiences are different um but by and large my my mood and my uh, relationships and my overall mental health has been vastly improved by um you know Giving up drinking, taking up exercising, um, I'm, you know, much more stable, much more capable of, of thinking. Um, and then when it comes to like things like sleep, you know, you know, I don't think I, I think obviously when you're when you're a drinker, you often um, don't realise that you're not actually sleeping. Mm. Um, you you are probably. Um, Sleeping very, very poorly. You're, you're you're fitfully sleeping if you like. You're waking all the time. You know, sleep apnea with um, people who drink and people who are overweight is extremely common. Um, you know, my wife has. You know, I used to snore all the time. Mm. Um, I don't snore at all anymore. Um, I have that on good advice from Karen. That's that's good. You know, take one or one. Me, because I I never thought I snored anyway. <laughs> anyway. Well, you couldn't hear it. <laughs> no, well, I couldn't hear it. Whenever I woke up, I couldn't hear it. That's exactly right, you know. So there was no evidence to suggest that I snored, and I still declare today that I never did. Um, but yeah, I think that um, yeah, I I, I wake up um, ready for the world. You know, I mean, I never thought in my wildest dreams three years ago that that I could wake up on any given day and decide to go for a two-hour run just because I feel like it. Yeah. And, and traverse 21 k's or whatever it might be. I mean, that's you know to have to 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 have that sort of confidence in your body and and be in your well-being to be able to go to bed with no planning whatsoever and get up the next day and just put on your shoes and say I'll be back in two hours and be back in two hours and have done a half a marathon is amazing to me. Really incredible. I never believed that that you could do it. I, I remember when I first was, after those first few months after I started actually getting fit enough to be able to run sort of three, four kilometres, um, 
without stopping. Um, I, I remember saying to everybody, I was like, you know, like that's it. I'm, I'm happy now. I'm just, I'm just going to yeah. run three or four kilometres, two or three times a week, and, and that's fine. Um, yeah, and then I, I, I discovered this thing called um, Park Run, which is a weekly Saturday free event run in in multiple locations around the world and around Australia and and, and well, it's around the world as well. Not just oh, world. I just thought it was Australia. No, it started oh, in. Okay. It actually started in Bushy Park in um, in England. So yeah. it's, it's global. It's in. It's even in the states now. Believe it or not. Park, I mean, park at, run. Yeah. Okay. Even in a litigious place like America, they can open up their parks to a group of runners to run for free. Oh, we're saying nothing bad. Donald Trump could be listening. <laughs> well, we're probably listening to him. We look like we're listening to him. Yeah, we might just uh, throw a link up for Park Run. Um, is it one big website? We'll drop some links maybe in yeah, the, in the show notes. Anyway. So it's a 5k run. Yeah, 5k every week um, at the same time every week, timed. Um, you get an email an hour later with your time. Great event, very open. People. Some people run the five kilometres in ridiculous times, like 16 minutes, and other people walk it in 55, 60 minutes. So it's a very open thing. And I, I met people there that um, just inspired me. Um, and the more people that you meet who are living healthier lives, there's so many people like me that have made changes in their lives. And, and once you meet those, you gravitate to them. And yeah. Then, it's just easier. It's just self-propelling. Yeah. Cool. So that's a, that's a real good way if people are thinking about, you know, maybe they can't afford a personal trainer, maybe afford, they can't afford to go to a gym or buy weight, but they want to do something and they want a little mini goal. Um, they could maybe go to the park. How much is the park run? It's free. It's free. So it's perfect. It's a, it's a great yeah. goal. Mostly on Saturday morning, isn't it? I think yeah. at 8 o'clock or something. Yeah. Times will vary, I think, in different places, but... Great little goal, maybe once a week, and you could start off maybe week one. I'm going to walk it, and maybe I'll go and watch one. Then next week, I might try and walk one. Then I might walk 10, then I'll start running, and you can progressively do that. Yeah. And and it's great that you're saying, Mark, that anybody can go along. So there's obviously no sort of distinction between the fastest and the slowest. No. It's, it's, no. it's, a, it's a kind of a park run, it's a social run for everybody. Yeah, well, the great thing about it is people hang around to cheer in the people who are coming in slower. Oh. You know, it's it's a really um, community event. I think that that's one of the great things that I've discovered about um, running and runners is that there's there is a lot of great community around it, and you know the you know that's why I think I've gravitated so much towards the trail running community, which you're part of, and is there's just awesome people involved in it who are willing to you know give time, um, you know. They'll talk to anybody. They don't care if you're, you know, the person at the back of the pack or at the front of the pack. It doesn't matter. And everybody just enjoys being outdoors. Yeah. So. <laughs> I was uh, doing a 50k race a few weeks ago in the Blue Mountains, and um, <laughs> we were running up to the first checkpoint. It's maybe like seven eight k's in, and we were doing a fairly fast pace. And um, <laughs> it's probably around the top, I don't know, 60, 70 people, out 1500 at the time, and we were going, and it's going way too hard. Like I was going to burn out. But I passed this guy in these steps and he was like, oh, you look like a corpse. He was like about 60 kilos, five foot ten, but he was like grey blue in the face and he was holding onto a tree and I was saying, are you all right? And he was like, yeah, yeah I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. And I was like, just relax, man. I, 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 something wrong with me, something wrong with me. He was gone. I said, listen, relax. It's not a race, it's a run. 
and the two guys behind me started laughing and I went that's a good way to look at it man it's like it's a run not a race even though it is a race but it's a run and it's like that's the kind of whole vibe you know yeah, exactly. and every every ultra I've done myself I've always met some really cool people and even if they're not you know blistering, blistering fast or anything like that it's just like like you said a social aspect, aspect of, of trail running might be a little bit of martial arts there's very little ego in it as well so it's yeah that's right yeah. It's, it's oh, some of the people that I've met who are like world class um, trail runners ultra runners they're just they just walk up to you and introduce you yeah yeah down to earth yeah yeah where else do you get that <laughs> yeah I remember like running into Killian Jornet for those in the trail running world he's like the um I don't like the Michael Jordan of basketball, Killian Jornet, he's a bit of a freak. He did just went up ran up and down Everest twice last week <laughs> with an oxygen. <laughs> and yeah. I ran into him in, in the airport in Denver a few years ago and just started talking to him and he was just sitting there on his own. Nobody knew who he was. You know, it's quite quite relaxed. I wanted to just go back, Mark, on a couple of points you said about the um mental health and the alcohol. Because it's quite interesting because a lot of research will show that running, for example, is very good for your mental health. So there's probably yeah probably many people have heard this before but where they've had two groups and they've had one group on you know medication or some sort of antidepressant medication and then the other group they just have them running like three times a week for 30 minutes yep. the group in in the um that doing the exercise or the running do just as good if not better than those yeah you know in, in those who are taking the medication so it's really interesting that your mental health has improved with the running or any sort of physical activity but the other thing i really want to touch on was the alcohol and the sleep and this is something that i think a lot of people probably get a little bit back to front a lot of people think you know oh I've had a few nights of bad sleep I'll have a few beers and that'll knock me out or I've been away working for a number of days or I've had a really busy week I'm just going to get tanked on Friday night and sleep in on Saturday and your point's really interesting because number one you're going to fall asleep really quick when you're drunk that's that's not a problem falling asleep's going to be easy getting but knocked out is, is the easy part the word but yeah, but getting it's knocked out word. is the word but maintaining sleep is the hard part so we see when people drink a lot of alcohol to have a lot of fragmentation, which we call wazo in the sleep world, and wazo standing for wake after sleep onset. So it's that time awake. So it's like you know a fragmentation, and it's all that time awake after sleep. And that's where people who drink a lot of alcohol. That's the issue. And then what's going to happen is obviously you need to go to the bathroom. So you're going to get up, go to the toilet, and then come back. So it's going to cause more awakenings. So you're constantly going to have this fragmentation in the sleep. So the sleep quality and the efficiency of that sleep then is lowered. So overall, alcohol doesn't do doesn't do very well. You know, so it's really interesting that your sleep's improved with the reduction of alcohol. And then with your weight coming down as well, one of the biggest risk factors for sleep-related breathing disorders is body mass. Yeah. So when we find out a person's BMI, uh, body mass index, and although it's a crude measure, we find when their body mass index is above 30, for example, that the prevalence of sleep disorders or the likelihood is, is quite high as well. Right, yeah. So when your weight's down lower, and the reason being is it's as simple as basically your neck isn't as fat because when your neck's fat there's no, you can't get any air, with, air through it especially if you're lying on your back yeah. and so the snoring then is, is your attempt to kind of you know it's trying to get air in trying to get air in exactly or expel it so, so what, what's coming in and going out it's all that noise that's been made through that so it's, it's really quite, int- quite scary really it is for the partner yeah like it, it drives the other person mental um, keeping them awake but also quite scary for you personally because in the short term effect if you have alcohol consumption and sleep apnea, you're getting less sleep. So the next day you're at more more of a safety risk or an accident risk and you find it hard to have ener- to, to exercise or even have the energy to do anything. But then the long term as well, we see that obstructive sleep apnea and snoring and all these things are linked to cardiovascular disease as well. So in the long term, if you're not treated as well. Yep. So sometimes it doesn't matter really kind of what intervention. You made a couple of interventions about 
reduction of alcohol, increase in exercise. And that kind of, one, increase your sleep duration, improve your mental health, but also then, you know, reduce the prevalence of the snoring that you had as well. So it's quite interesting, the link between all of those, which gives you more energy to run more. Yeah, so when people are saying like, oh, you know, I could never run 20 k's. Well, that's right. You can't if you're going to keep drinking and eating and sort of carrying on like that because you're not going to have the energy. No, and wrong. so you can make an intervention in one of these things and it's going to perpetuate into the other ones as well. So it's yeah, cool, well, quite I'll, I'll liken it to like, um, it's kind of like, yeah, I think, I think one of the things that, that well, this is my personal opinion, but I think one of the problems that people have with, with like trying to change habits is quite often... You know, you know, come around January one every year. They they say, oh, well, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna give up smoking, drinking. I'm gonna get yeah. fit. I'm gonna start eating properly. I'm gonna sleep more. Da da da. You know, they they make this long list of things. And like, for me, I think that that just choose one because the others will follow. <laughs> for me, giving up alcohol was 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 the thing that I changed. Um, but the thing that perpetuated that change was actually taking up exercise and, and you know I, I, I don't have to worry so much about this these days I don't do this so much anymore but certainly for the first year or so um, I made a habit of um, right okay tomorrow's the day that I'm planning to go for a run I would get all my running gear out and I would lay it on the floor near my bed at night so that in the morning when I woke up there was a visual cue there for me to say okay today's a running day not not a oh I don't feel like it today, mm. you know. Um, I don't need those cues anymore because I actually desire the running anyway. And so I'll get up and wherever the stuff is, I'll go and get it. Um, but I think in those early phases when you're trying to build good habits uh, and maybe remove um, poor ones, it's good to have those sort of cues, you know. They're just, they, I don't know, there's probably some neuroscience <laughs> around it as well, around habit forming. But certainly visual cues, you know, if you think about it, that's the, that's the type of thing that, that um, you know, causes um, people to maybe eat too much of the wrong things or to drink too much or to, you know, smoke or all those sorts of things. There's a lot of visual stuff to that or other types of cues. Thing, you know, they go to the same place every day and, you know, eat something or they go to the same place every day and they drink something. It's... Well, if you want to not eat or drink that thing, don't go to that place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, remove yourself from that area you're going to have those bad habits. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And go somewhere else where a good habit can be formed. Yeah. It's like I, ne- I don't try to buy, like, uh, chips or chocolate at home because the minute they're in the fridge or the cupboard, they're just going to get eaten, so... <laughs> and, cookies. <laughs> and cookies. yeah, biscuits, yeah. Definitely. Oh, let's not talk about that. <laughs> it's my, biscuits on the way it's home my ba- we found these aliens. It's my bad habit after dinner cup of tea and four digestive biscuits but anyway <laughs> we all have bad habits it's interesting it's interesting Mark you talk about the cues because for me it's actually personally I find that being prepared the day before is better for my stress like so I sleep better if I know I'm prepared so this morning I had to go to um, a meeting uh, at a at a hotel like in a, a conference room there was a big kind of a talk on this morning so I had my shirt iron my pants my shoes all polished all waiting to go in, a, in my spare room but also then I knew I had to go running as well today. So I had all my running gear laid out next to that and my tub uh, with all my running gear and backpack and so on. And um, so for me, that allows me to be relaxed before I go to bed, yeah. you know, because one, I did Well, obviously as, as well this morning, I didn't have the luxury of having a lot of time today. I had a crazy morning. I had to go to a talk. Then I had to go and 
present at the hospital and then I had to uh, come home do some things and then came here to run with Mark and do the podcast and I got a meeting as well this evening so I need to listen to my own advice in my defence though I'm taking tomorrow off <laughs> um, so yeah it's, it's for some people maybe preparing the night before might be really good for removing that stress and this kind of feeds into some other things that people talk about is you know I'm really busy at work I'm really stressed out I'm not sleeping very well I was talking to a guy last week you know he's having this problem and I just said to him get a piece of paper and draw a line down the middle of the page write down the three key things you want to achieve tomorrow but then on the left hand side write down all the things that you have to do or things that are bugging you like kind of a brain dump yeah. an hour before you went to bed he said, he said within two nights he was back sleeping you know, I didn't even charge him for that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but like it's, you know, people think that people want to find that they have some crazy issue, but some simple little things can be can be really good before sleep. Yeah, well, I think, um, like, yeah, I know I've had that experience too. Like, you know, when you go to bed and your brain's still going and you're thinking about things that you've got to do tomorrow or whatever. So, you know, that advice to write those things down before you go to bed is, you know, and like you say, probably an hour before is probably a good time rather than minutes before yeah. because otherwise you'll keep thinking of things if it's out of your head you know and then you can de-stress and hopefully you know, go, go to sleep more calmly and quickly yeah so I've got a slogan there get out get out get out of your head get into that bed yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that could be a t-shirt <laughs> yeah, that be get out of your head get into that bed yeah yeah no i think that's i think you're right mark and you know I've got the opposite now. So years ago, I would be stressed going to bed about different things. But now I love everything I do. I'm too excited going to bed. I'm, I'm the opposite way around. Yeah. Bum- My wife says to me most mornings, why are you so happy today? But it's like every day I'm happy. Yeah. You know, because I love every, every part I do. So, yeah, it's uh, it's all good. So switching gears a little bit, Mark. Um, I want to come back to your novel because you've been... How long have you been working on this novel? Um, since June last year. So June last year, so just about a little over a year, about a year now. Yeah, just just going over a year. Yeah. So can you give us an exclusive here, a little teaser about what the book might be and what what yeah, involves? I'm not very good. At, I'm not very good at explaining the book. Um, well, it's a good chance to practice, isn't it? Yeah, it's a good chance. <laughs> the best I can do is it's it probably it, if it's going to get categorised, and I don't, I didn't plan to write a a rural crime novel but I probably have um, sort of written small country town crime novel um, I guess it's it's sort of it's set across a couple of time periods um, starting in the 80s um, and I guess it's uh, you know the, it's, it's exploring some of the things that I experienced in the 80s in terms of the way small country towns were then and 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 to a large extent still tend to be these days with um you know alcohol issues domestic violence issues um racism you know um all of those sorts of things but but when i was growing up in a country town um i didn't think about those things because i was sort of 15 and, and the characters in my book start out at that age um, and, and a few things go wrong and, and the main character ends up um, basically getting getting incarcerated for for something that he doesn't doesn't do and it sort of just just sort of um, sort of builds out of his um, sort of idealistic view of the world that he has when he's sort of 15 and 
and and and how how things change as he grows. Um, it's not really a coming of age story, um, but um, yeah, I'm not doing a very good job of explaining it. Not to get not to give stuff away, but no, that's good. Um, plus, it's also very much a, a work in progress. You know, yes, yeah. I'm, I'm only sort of in the I'm in the rewriting phase at the moment, which is going on and on and on and from what I can gather from talking to um, people I, I know that have, have written and published books this could go on for some time yet writing's hard man isn't it it's like it's so difficult like on on this journey of myself with the PhD and I know it's scientific writing it's different but the broad category of writing and then trying to write blogs and then writing some magazine articles recently it's tough people don't I don't think people realise we're not in that world like how hard it is to write the, the draft, the editing, the constant, it doesn't just flow out yet. The rereading, the analysing, it could take months or a year even just to get like a 3,000 word manuscript up for a science publication and for a novel it could take even three, four years. Like it's just, oh, I don't think people realise it. I think people think everybody's like Stephen King and they're bagging out a novel every three months, you know? Yeah, I mean the, the average, from the people that I've spoken to, the average sort of time for um, starting to publishing a novel, if you're fortunate enough to be one of those people that actually manages to to be published is, is is around that five year mark, you know, and I'm only one year into that journey, so you know, and I'm hoping that um, that I might be able to shortcut it, but it won't be getting a shortcut um, by years and years. Um, but yeah, there's, I mean, I found writing the first draft, which which I basically got up at five o'clock every morning for um, three months straight and wrote until eight eight in the morning. Um, while everybody else in the house was asleep, um, I basically found that writing process, writing that first draft, was was easy in inverted commas. It was it was um, it just was a flowing mm. process, and it just came out as it came out. Um, whereas the process that I'm going through now, which is now that I understand the story that I want, I've written, how do I make it good? Is difficult because there's a lot to think about and there's um, a lot of detail and there's you know some of the you know I've only been doing the rewriting for a while now for a few months now that you know so, I mean some scenes have been rewritten four or five times already um, you know and there's there's like within the book there's or within the manuscript that I've written so far the scene counts at like 150 so if you think about that it's a lot of yeah yeah a lot of work <laughs> so and and Everything's connected to everything else. So if you make a change in one one chapter, you, that may impact all the others. Yeah, yeah. So, but but you have had some success, Mark. You had a short story published. Yeah, I've had a. Um, I'm part of a writing group, and we've we've published an uh, an anthology of short stories last year, and we're actually going to publish um, in about a month's time another anthology of short stories. Um, Interestingly, my short story is actually about an alcoholic, so <laughs> um, you can keep an eye out for that one. Um, this is this the one that's published or the one that's in draft? Yeah, the one that's, it's the in one that's that, that will be published in about a month's time. In a month's time? Yeah, so... So your existing story now, where, where could people find that? Is that on Amazon? Uh, yeah, it's on um, Amazon and iBooks. Um, and you just have to look up. It's in an anthology that's called uh, New Year's Eve. But you can also just look up my name, um, which is Mark J. Keenan. We'll put a link in the show notes anyway, so people can hit that link and, and head over there and, and purchase that or get it, whatever. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And so 
and then you've got this other one coming out in a month as well so that's great so you've got these little kind of small milestones along the journey as well you know yeah, on the way, I mean, to, on the way it's to the good to do something different and I, I suppose you know things you know as you know um, when you're doing really large projects uh, something like a, a manuscript or writing a PhD it's good to mm. have uh, milestones along the way that that give you some um, you know you get some gratification from you get some injection of yeah it's really important to achieve something yeah and so you know it's very important i think to make sure that you you mastermind some of those things into your big projects and that doesn't matter whether it's an you know engineering where it's a home renovation it's a book it's a phd i don't don't think it really matters um you know and and i you know i'm obviously um and people that know me know that i'm very (laughs) prone to planning stuff uh, and I do spend a fair bit of time thinking about like how long is it going to take me to do these things and what steps do I need to take and I think the good thing about doing that is if you break things down into smaller enough steps then you can see that you're getting some traction Yeah. whereas it would be very easy to just sit and look at, at my manuscript and go oh god you know I've got no clue where I'm at I don't, I don't know when and, or how I'm going to finish this thing yeah, it's a bit of a trap. I see people in the in the science world, particularly other PhD students, fall into the trap of I'm going to get collect all my data first, then I'll analyse it all, and then I'll write it all up. And it's you know you're just like chalking up the system. So I try to rebalance that and sort of like as I collect the data, I'll start analysing and writing it, and I'll get another papers. They're all kind of offset. So you know if you're doing four or five studies in a PhD, they're all kind of project streams that are running parallel, all at different stages. So there's constantly something to work on as well. And so when you do hit a roadblock or a barrier or one of them, you can just switch to the other. Yeah. But also it gives you these like little milestones. You get some publications along the way. And I'm just going through that phase at the moment where I head off on a trip doing some presenting in the next few weeks and then I come back. And then basically from August right through to the end of the year is my kind of, you know, putting it all together, all the papers I've published, um, tidying up the lit review, the introduction, just piecing it all together and kind of bringing the whole story together, you know. Um, so that'll be my focus towards towards the end of the year on that so yeah that's that after three years of, of kind of hammering away at that so it's good and the other thing as well talking about the little goals I even find the same with Jiu Jitsu you know there's some big strong dudes at Jiu Jitsu brown belts maybe 20 kilos heavier than me or even some younger guys who are you know 22 years of age big strong white belts or blue belts that give me trouble as a 75 kilo purple belt and man it's hard but I just look for the little wins they can't pass my guard or I pass their guard or yeah. I stop him I stop him submitting me for a three minute round you know it's not always about being the best or you know I'm just looking for the tiny little increments of improvements I'm looking for oh or he didn't catch me with that sweep today or he didn't get me with that submission today or I knew what he was going for yeah. you've got to find the little small win and everything even in the the day where you're getting beaten down find a small little win in something because if we don't we'll just spiral down that's right so you've yeah, got, got to find right. those little things so Mark, last two questions of this podcast that I always ask everybody, and you've been the second person, so this is all. <laughs> <laughs> What's your number one sleep tip? What's your number one do? What should people do to improve their sleep from your experience? Do to improve their sleep. Probably not drink. <laughs> that's, and that's probably a little bit difficult for uh, most people. So I don't, I don't know. Well, one. My tip, I suppose, um, which has actually um, probably come from you, is actually, um, so uh, obviously I'm, I run um, most days these days, and so I, I have had 
um, you know, I get sort of a bit restless legs at times yep. at night. So I, I take magnesium and zinc at night, um, about an hour before I go to bed now. Um, and I've been doing that for the last couple of months. Um, and I think that's been bloody brilliant, really, um, for improving my sleep. Um, because, yeah, you know, you're running around on your legs um, most days of the week, then, you know, they can get a bit yeah. achy and a bit tired while they're trying to repair themselves. So that I, I don't know much about the science of it. You might, but the magnesium and zinc seems to help re- repair them and help you to sleep. And so probably your number one sleep don't will probably be then don't drink or don't yeah. drink as much. Don't don't drink or don't drink as much. Certainly yeah. don't drink with the intention that that's going to help you sleep. Yeah. If you think it's going to help you sleep, you're probably kidding yourself, I would say. <laughs> Mark, if people want to check out, um, we'll obviously put the link up to your short stories, but if people want to follow you on social media or they want to check out more of your work or just keep up to date maybe with your, with your running and, and, you know, after hearing this inspiring story, you might want to see some pictures of you running around with kangaroos and up and down mountains or hills or in our bushes where, where can they find you are you on facebook yeah well so i'm on facebook probably the easiest um thing to do is to go to my website which is uh markjkeenan.com um and that's got links to the um the instagram and facebook um so i do a little bit of um blogging uh do a few posts mostly well they're rela- usually related to um you know running writing music um life sort of things um just my thoughts on those and pretty much the the same thing goes for the the facebook facebook side of things and also try and keep um links for anything that i've written that that i i can um link up there as well um bearing in mind that i'm very early on at the moment so there's not a lot of links on there so yeah that's possible could be the next Stephen King could find you in your early days get an exclusive interview here in the car it might be able to talk to you in years to come you're famous <laughs> it might be might be we might have to actually like have an interview in a studio a real, a real studio yeah it's, it, it's overrated I, I've, I've been in, I've been in studios doing interviews it's overrated this is more fun yeah. well it's the trees that make it nicer <laughs> alright thanks very much Mark no worries thanks Ian Okay, so that was episode four with Mark Keenan. A very interesting uh, conversation there about an improvement in not only Mark's physical health, but mental health as well being. And a few interesting takeaways there about lifestyle choices and also, I think, what you really want to do in life. So anyway, I'm not going to philosophize on that podcast. I'll leave it up to you guys to have a listen and have a reflection on it. Um, as I said at the intro, all the show notes are over at sleepforperformance.com.au and if you have any feedback or any comments, feel free to send them through to me as well. In the next episode, we have a recording from the Working Time Society talking to Georgia on sleep and recovery from the Australian Institute of Sports. So that'll be in the next episode. Until then, train well, sleep well.